2: To Ring Talk Live Worldwide, emanating from the lovely Ring Talk Studios on the San Francisco Waterfront, most beautiful spot in the entire world. Check it. We're talking mixed martial arts and boxing for the next hour, open phone lines around the world. You can join me. My name is Pedro Fernandez. I am the reigning, the undisputed heavyweight champion of the Radio Ways, folks. Having defended that title, I forget this, better than 33 years. So see why I'm often imitated, but never duplicated for the next hour of Ring Talk. Open phone line once again, all around the planet. 1-800-878-PLAY. That's 1-800-878-7529. The text line. Yes, the Ring Talk text line is happening. Well, that's sort of hot. You don't have to come on the air, but you can ask a question or drop a comment. 415-275-1613. That's 415 415-275- 275 One six one three. So, in the world of boxing, we've got Canelo Alvarez, of course, and Gennady Golovkin finishing off their press tour, of course, for the mega September sixteenth showdown for the world middleweight championship, live in Las Vegas, the most watched boxing match of all time, as far as two thousand seventeen is concerned. No doubt about that. Plus, plus, plus. We'll switch gears and talk about the world of mixed martial arts, and of course, we'll bring in Holly Holm, the preacher's daughter, back in the winner's circle. But before all that. We'll be joined by the HBO Godfather. That's right. Larry Merchant will be in the house as well. So if you join us on the tow, if you send me a text, Larry will get it as well. Larry Merchant, the Hall of Famer in the house here on Ring Talk Live Worldwide. You're tuned to the longest-running fight show in history, Ring Talk Live Worldwide, emanating from the Ring Talk studios in the city by the bay, San Francisco, California.
1: That's 855-325-1780
3: Oh, when you do bad, he'll talk about you Muhammad, he's looking bad Ken Norton just hit him in the jaw I wonder if he broke that same (laughs) jaw Angelo, ask Muhammad, is his jaw broke? I'm in the ring,
0: Now, more of Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez
5: Good to see
6: you still alive I think I like you
2: Personally, I knew them both, both Muhammad Ali and, of course, Howard Cosell. Howard, not to a great extent, since a couple of times talking with Howard, but Ali, of course, and I were partners for two weeks. On a two-week tour through China, that was one partnership that we had. And, of course, I was his press aide, his bodyguard. I went to McDonald's for him late at night, and we were starving the first trip. Let me tell you, the first time we went to Beijing, it was Ali. I think Bob Aaron was there. It was a whole bunch of people. It was a big boxing. We were doing this boxing gig. As they called it the brawl at the wall. It was this big event, okay. It's the first time boxing was going to be in the People's Republic of China since 1949, since Mao Zedong took over. Okay, anyway, so we're there, and all the celebrities are there. As far as the country is concerned, and of course, Ali's doing his thing, and and people they they appreciated the fact that they had some boxing in there. I mean, it was just no doubt about it. They were blown away by it. What they were really blown away by it was the greatest himself, Muhammad Ali. Everywhere he went, traffic just stopped. So a lot of times. He couldn't leave the hotel without being mobbed. There were just hundreds of people waiting outside the hotel just to see him. I kid you not. This was in 1993 and 1994. We went on two trips. So the 93 trip, his wife was sending me to McDonald's late at night to get burgers because what's happening, they were feeding us American food. They were trying to cook us American food, but they had never cooked American food before. What they did was the Chinese cooks were working in this hotel. They looked into uh, cooking books and they tried to cook American Food from cooking books. So when they scrambled eggs, they scrambled them, but they didn't cook them, and there was like water, and the co- the eggs were undercooked, and the bacon was undercooked, and it was just it was just like a botulism nightmare. Okay, as far as eating was concerned, the toluene poisoning, no doubt about this. So we all lost weight. I think I think Ali lost eighteen pounds. I lost like nine to ten pounds. Harold Smith lost ten pounds. I mean, man, <laughs> it was just crazy. We we're all losing this weight. So we sort of. uh supplemented our our food over there for the first time in China because they just weren't hip to feeding Americans um, by going to McDonald's late at night. And Ali's people would give me a call. His wife would give me a call like at 1030, I think 1045 and McDonald's would close 11.00. Pedro, can you make a run over there? I said, yeah, I'll make a run over there. So I'd get in the cab, and I'd commandeer a cab, and there'd be a line of people waiting for cabs in front of the hotel. And I said, no, 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 I got to go to McDonald's for Muhammad Ali. And when I told him I was doing something for Muhammad Ali, bang, man. I got the first cab, no doubt about that. The cab driver took me there, he waited for him. We brought the food back to Home nine hours. The burgers were still warm when I got him up to Ali's floor. Was just, I mean, it was just a wonderful, wonderful experience. But... The food, the first time around, wasn't that good. The second time we went, in 1994, we went twice in 1994 to Macau. First we went to Macau, and then we toured the Chinese mainland. But that time we brought our own chef. Yes, that was a smart thing to do. Harold Smith hired his own chef. So he brought his own chef with him, and they cooked American food. It was like five-star food. We were just rocking and rolling. And I had my own cook like almost 24 hours a day. I called this guy and said, can I get a steak? Pedro, it's like 3.30 in the morning. I said, but, but, you know, you're on this East Coast schedule right now, so you should be up and then say, well, can, can you get us a steak? We all want steaks up here. So we get steaks like 3 3.30 in the morning, things like that. So were we spoiled? Yes. Do we have a good time? Yes. Was traveling with Muhammad Ali one of the greatest experiences you could ever, ever, ever experience in your entire life? Without a doubt, it was just the greatest. No doubt about that. Wow. My Muhammad Ali, Ali swears. They are plenty, folks. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. You're... Inside looking into the world of boxing, he often imitated but never duplicated a longest running fight train history. Ring Talk Live Worldwide, of course, started back in 1984 with the great Charles Jay. And, Of course, we expanded the network radio in 1989, and here we are a few years later, still rocking and rolling. Of course, often imitated but never duplicated. Want to mention uh, the fact that, uh, of course, we've got listeners here in the United States. Want to mention the fact we're bringing uh, Detroit into the market. I used to be in Windsor in Detroit for like Windsor was the, right across the water from Detroit, and it would beam me into Detroit for like 20 years I was on up there. Of course, the great Emanuel Stewart, the Cronk Gym, and Hitsville, USA, the Motown Museum, man. I was up there and trying to go through city records and all kinds of stuff. I wanted to write a book on Motown, and Emanuel brought me back there. I was his ring announcer. I got to introduce Aretha Franklin at a couple of events and and met her and talked to her and talked to Martha Reeves. It was Martha Reeves and the Vandellas. You go back then, and and she wouldn't tell me any of the inside stuff, so the book was dead, but... I had great times in Detroit, and I want to welcome all the listeners on WCAR, W-C-A-R. That's 1090, of course, AM in Detroit, Michigan. This is Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Of course, I was talking about the fight a little bit earlier, the fight of the year. There's no doubt about that. I mean, no fight's going to be better than Gennady Golovkin, undefeated, world middleweight champion, taking on Canelo Alvarez, basically undefeated as well. Of course, the only fight he lost was when he was outboxed by Floyd Mayweather, and that was as, as predictable as the sun coming up tomorrow. I'm kidding you not, because, you know, Floyd's an outstanding boxer. He just is. He's just an outstanding boxer. He looks good. He moves good. I mean, he's got all the skills, but he's 40 years old now, okay? And he's going to want to fight this guy, Conor McGregor. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. In fact, maybe I'll bring it up with Larry Murch. In fact, I'm going to bring Larry Merchant in in about, 15, about three or four minutes now. We'll ask Larry Merchant about the Conor McGregor-Floyd Mayweather fight. But Floyd and, and Canelo Alvarez, I mean, Canelo was a baby. He was... He was young, he was green. Mayweather was smart to fight him then. I don't think Mayweather could beat him now, but he beat him then, and uh, you know it was because he has dances with like two left feet. I'm talking about Canelo Alvarez, bad footwork. If that's uh, one of his, that's one of the areas he knew will need to improve against Golovkin. If Golovkin, undefeated as he is, he cuts off the ring, and if you boxing fans know what I mean by that, is. Mm, You cut off the ring. In other words, the guy can't run from you. Take a step over, he goes to make a move, and you take that left foot, if you're an orthodox fighter, and you put it in this position where he can't get around you, he can't get away from you. One of the key advantages in the sport of boxing is when you have two guys facing one another is that you have your lead foot on the outside of the other guy's foot. If you can get your lead foot on the outside of his lead foot, you can get him looking down the barrel of your gun. Can you imagine that for me, radio listeners? I know that's sort of like a TV type of thing, but I'm trying to explain that to you. If you get your foot on the outside of the other boxer's left foot, if you've got your foot, i say considerably a foot, uh, eight, ten inches to a foot to the left of his lead foot, you're going to be able to have him looking down the barrel of a gun, your right hand and the left hook. That's how you can position a guy to take him out. But Golovkin cuts off the ring well. I think that Canelo Alvarez is picking up his game. I think he's a better fighter, no doubt about it, than he was when he lost to to Floyd Mayweather. Of course, I think he's 51-1 and now. Of course, when I saw him in Puerto Rico in October and talked with him in Puerto Rico, um, Canelo Alvarez was huge. And when I say huge, I mean, don't mean like Bernie Sanders huge or Donald Trump huge. I mean like big. He was buffed. He was muscular. I mean, he wasn't fat. He was big, buffed and muscular, and he had to be about Hundred and seventy five, hundred and eighty pounds, at least, okay? At least it's probably not maybe even maybe even one hundred ninety. If I was walking around at one hundred sixty, he had to be thirty pounds bigger than me. Anyway, even at one hundred ninety. So he's gonna come down to one hundred and sixty pounds. He does it like it's a science for him because they weigh in the day before and somehow he seems to get his all his act and his fluids all back together and he comes in the ring about after weighing in at 54, he comes in about 70, 72. So I figure after both these fighters weighing about 60, Golovkin will come in the ring about 66. Canelo will probably come in the ring about 74 or 75. So he will have a bit of a, a mass advantage. And I think that he is a bigger fighter across the shoulders, across the back. I think he's got a tad longer reach. But, you know, pound for pound, Golovkin's supposed to be the king. But is he really I mean, undefeated, 37-0, and 34 knockouts. He's beaten all the guys he's put in front of him, but have the guys that have been put in front of him worthy of being called great? Think about that. We're bringing the Godfather after the break, hopefully. 1-800-878-PLAY. That's one 800 878 75 And I'm talking about Larry Merchant. And hey, Pittsburgh, the Steel Town, WWCS, 540 AM. Pedro Fernandez and Ring Talk live worldwide announced each and every Saturday and Sunday. At 2 p.m. Pacific time, live in Pittsburgh on 540 a.m. You are tuned to Ring Talk live worldwide. You're inside looking into the world of boxing, open phone lines all around the planet, all around the universe. one 800 878 playdust 1-800-878-7529, the text line, that's happening as well. Text me, 415-275-1613, that's 415 275 one six one three. You are listening to Ring Talk live. We're all live, right. emanating from the Ring Talk Studios in San Francisco, California.
1: That's 800-405-2561.
5: Hi, I'm Dr. Robert Clapper, Chief of Orthopedic Surgery at Cedar sinai Medical Group in Los Angeles, California. blue goo a try call 1-888-330-0123 and you'll receive a one week supply of blue goo absolutely free the makers of blue goo are even paying the shipping the number again is one 888 330 if you want more information on blue goo visit online at www.dothegoo.com now available at select big five stores near you now more of ring talk
2: with pedro fernandez <coughs> Make it 24, make it 25 minutes past, are you tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide from the city by the base of San Francisco, California. We take it to the City of the Angels, folks, the Los Angeles area, of course, to bring in the godfather himself, Larry Merchant. A, a very good morning to you, sir. Uh, good morning, Pedro. How's life treating
6: you? Uh, life is good, although we uh, are now in what is called the June gloom season of Southern California, uh, with Marine Layer laying over us uh, on an almost constant basis. Um, this is not what we, this is not the season we love.
2: All right, but, but you know, good weather, 99 days out of 100, is pretty you good down correct, there in Southern sir. California. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about that. Larry, how did you end up at the University of Oklahoma when you were born in Brooklyn? What, what, what got you to Oklahoma? You know, I've often thought about it. It was a, just a number
6: of, Converging events. First of all, there was nobody in my family, um, direct, in my direct family, who had ever gone to college. Um, so I m- m- wrote letters and made the applications myself. Um, and I wasn't a fabulous student, I was a good student. And it was a time after World War II when. Um, th- when we had uh, free college aid for veterans, and uh, so a lot of colleges were crowded. Mm-hmm. So that was one factor, and Oklahoma was one of the schools I applied to. But there was also something interesting about Oklahoma. I had read John Steinbeck's Grapes of Wrath about the, the poverty and, of Oklahoma and, the, wind, and the, the dust storms and the Depression and so on and my mother's favorite uh, ballerina was named Maria Tallchief f- from an Indian tribe in Oklahoma and i heard about her and then there was the stage play oh, the the musical Oklahoma which w- was a big big deal and then um Oklahoma got some headlines in the sports pages um uh, there were an the NCAA uh, basketball finals. Um, Bud Wilkinson had started coaching there, and they were starting to be successful. And I was interested in playing football, and um, so and it was and it was inexpensive. It, it cost me, as I recollect, one hundred and sixty-eight dollars a year, or maybe a semester, uh, as an out-of-state student. And um, then I had earned a partial scholarship. So it it made a kind of sense to me. And, and I love the idea of the travel and being in another part of the country and finding out what was going on out there. Um, I hitchhiked all over the country from Oklahoma when I was a teenager. Um, I went to three sugar bowls with Oklahoma. So uh, in one way or another... Uh, that's how it happened. And uh, as a postscript, I now have a step-grandson who is a biology professor at
2: Oklahoma. <laughs> wow. Okay. But, but your your mom was sort of, she, she thought it was good for you to, to get out of the state and go to school somewhere well, else. She was cold, very she?
6: progressive in that way. A lot of people in, a, in our world would not have allowed their kids to go that far away. And which was far, far away. I mean, there were—I I never was in an airplane until after, till I got into the um, army. Uh, I would take a two, two trains, an overnight train that stopped in Chicago, and so on. So it was a long, long way away, and um, but I, my mom wanted me to go to college and, and thought it would be a good experience for me, and uh, was willing to. Uh, and always uh, gave me a wide berth and allowed me to to find my own uh, bliss.
2: When you were playing football for Oklahoma, did you play both sides of the ball? Back then, did they play both sides of the ball?
6: Yes, although a lot of teams had started to uh, have offensive and defensive uh, special teams, um, Bud Wilkinson uh, had two teams, but two teams of guys who played on both, mostly on both sides of the ball. Uh, I was best as a defensive back, and uh, but uh, I was asked once by a young man who was uh, starting out in journalism, well, how many snaps did you take at Oklahoma? And I told him, well, I had taken thousands of snaps, but all of them were in
2: practice. <laughs> <laughs> we talked with the great Larry Merch, of course, the Hall of Fame himself, originally out of Brooklyn, Went to school in Oklahoma, started with HBO in nineteen seventy, retired in 2012, living life and loving it in Southern California with his wife, of course, the godmother. How's she doing? I didn't know, you know, and, and I look. I've always known that she had, had an a- acting background this and that, but I didn't know that she, she, Bud Schoberg wrote about some of her work.
6: Um, well, yeah, she, she was an, an actress and a talk show host and, uh, um, and you know she's she's uh, doing whatever we do we, we went we went to Hawaii um a couple of weeks ago for a week of uh fresh air and uh, just to hang out and um um we have a couple of little grandsons and a granddaughter and um we're planning some trips and uh here I am. Um, you're, you're part of my uh, unofficial uh, network.
2: Well, I, I truly I feel blessed and honored. Speaking of Bud Sherberg, you know, I, I, when I talked to him, I guess it was about 10, 12 years ago before he passed, um, and, and, and we were in uh, uh, Unclesville, Connecticut, some big fight up there, and I remember recording an interview, and, and he was like 94 years old, and he said to me, he said, Randall was a good guy to work with. What did you think of Brando? I mean, you, you were around those guys, Brando and Schulberg. What was Marlon Brando like?
6: I I once sat next to Brando in a restaurant, but that's as close as I got to him. I didn't, <laughs> I, I didn't know a uh, Brando. I did know Bud Schulberg, okay. who was uh, famous for uh, writing uh, the, the movie "The Harder They Fall," uh, about uh, the rise and fall of. Uh, Primo Canera, heavyweight champion um, in the era between uh, Jack Dempsey and Joe Lewis in the late twenties and early thirties, when there were a bunch a bunch of champions, and uh, Carnero might have been in the most colorful of, of them, um, who was maneuvered by the mob through uh, you know through all of the uh, uh, straits of uh, and and narrows and curves of boxing to become a champion. And uh, it's a famous boxing
2: movie. Did he really think he could, they had set these fights up for him. Did he not know, did he really think that he could fight and he was winning these fights on his own?
6: You know, I don't know. It was a little before me, but he was a big, powerful man. Today he would be considered, he was a, a super heavyweight. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of his size. But he was a, but like a lot of big men back in the day, um, he was a, kind of a, a, a slow, clumsy mover. Uh, the modern, big, fast, athletic athletes uh, are nowhere, n- nowhere near what those guys were. They, and, uh, but he was powerful. He looked the part. Uh, I think that uh, Max Baer fought him and won the championship from him and knocked him down 11 times. Yeah. <laughs> and Joe Lewis uh, fought him and uh, and so on. So he was um, maybe an early-day version of, of Chuck Wepner, a, a big, strong, interesting uh, character uh, at a time when uh, Italians were were starting to make their uh, uh, measure in in the world
2: of boxing. Hall of Famer Larry Merchant our guest on Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Larry, there's a new movie out called Chuck about Chuck Wetmore. Have you seen it? Have you heard about it?
6: Well, I, I missed it. It came and went. Um, and I wanted to see it because Wetmore is a fascinating character in boxing. Um, uh, best known, I suppose, because uh, he became the model for Sylvester Stallone's Rocky. Mm-hmm. And um, based on and he... his fight with uh, Muhammad Ali, which I covered in Cleveland, in which he did better than expected and uh, until Ali finally stopped him with a few seconds left in the fight. Um, and he was a big... Interesting uh, character. I've met him on many occasions, and uh, um, he had a lot of problems in his life, but uh, seems to uh,
2: have resolved many of them. And well, He's got a few bucks now. Larry Stallone finally fessed up and gave him some money and did some things with him, and of course this movie's going to make him a few bucks. So Right, yeah, and I mean, he, he was a, a liquor salesman. Yeah, from New Jersey City, get called the Bayonne Bleeder
6: because uh, he bled a lot. I saw him fight Sonny Liston. Uh, Liston beat him up pretty badly, and uh, um, and so it was an interesting time in in, in heavyweight world um, from Liston to Ali, and uh, um, their fights were. Covered by the media at the time, and uh, Webner was a big, colorful character, and so here he is. uh, You don't—it's not only the champions uh, who um, who become
2: uh, the central figures in uh, in movies. No doubt about that. The great Chuck Webner on the show. Of course, you can check out the Ring Talk R guys for that interview. You are tuned to Talk Live, worldwide open phone lines all around the universe. 1-800-878-PLAY. That's 1-800-878-7529. Yes, the text line, that's hot. And that's happening as well. The address, the number is 415-275-1613. That's 415-275-1613. Hey, Cage Out! in Houston, Texas, 15:60 a.m. What's happening in Houston? This is Ring Talk Live Worldwide from the city by the bay. San Francisco, California, of course with the godfather himself, Larry Merchant on Ring Talk. are doing? Think for sure we'll-
0: The sun can make your outdoor deck and patio space so hot and uncomfortable you can't use it. But now there's the Sunsetter Retractable Awning. A Sunsetter Retractable Awning opens and closes in just 60 seconds, and it keeps your patio about 20 degrees cooler. It provides instant shade and protection from the sun's harmful rays. You can get your Sunsetter for as little as five ninety nine dollars when you call now to get your special $200 discount certificate and free awning idea kit. You're going to love your Sunsetter Retractable Awning. Sunsetter Awnings are assembled in America and guaranteed to last, so call 800 692
1: That's 800-797-1256. Nobody really needs or wants home security until it's too late. $50 free wireless home security system, and start enjoying the peace of mind of security today. Call 800-587-4281, 800-587-4281, 800-587-4281. This offers for new customers only. Termination fees apply. $99 customer installation charge and 36-month monitoring agreement required. All for details, license terms, and conditions available at secureathome.com.
0: Now more of Ring talk with
1: Pedro Fernandez
2: sometimes we have to fight even if we know we're gonna lose we still have to fight i don't know why I, why can't you just say hey listen you want i don't want to do this right. but even though we gotta lose we know we're gonna get the sh- kicked out of us but we gotta fight this guy like we're gonna kick his ass like we're a bully 40, 40 minutes past the hour this is ring talk live worldwide from the city of the bay san francisco california of course i want to mention my folks in Atlanta, GA, WXJO, 1120 AM. Don't forget, 2 p.m. Pacific time. Take, take it back. 2 p.m. Eastern time, Saturday and Sunday in Atlanta, Georgia. Of course, Ring Talk Live Worldwide. The Godfather is on the line from Southern California, Larry Merchant. We were, of course, talking about his life and the fact that he started off at the University of Oklahoma, but out of the mean street. Where Was Brooklyn, did you go up in a mean part of Brooklyn? Where Was Brooklyn pedestrian? Was What was it like then?
6: Well, well, first of all, um, there's a common misconception that I was born, bred, raised in Brooklyn. Um, I was raised all over New York. I lived in Manhattan and in the Bronx until I was 10 years old. I went to high school in Brooklyn. Um, Where I was just seemed like an uh, an average uh, neighborhood, uh, kids striving uh, to go to school. Um, but there was a really rough, rough area around around there with gangs. Um, I had a, the captain of my high school football team. I later, later, much later, learned I uh, used to uh, uh, carry a gun with him because he was part of a gang that, and 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 that was a, constantly warring with another gang. Um, and so on and so forth. So there were rough parts of uh, Brooklyn, like most cities in that day. Um, And and there were just um, lower middle class people striving to be upper middle class people and send their kids to school and all of that uh, good stuff. I had a happy, uh, mostly uh, (laughs) violence-free
2: childhood. That being said, it sounds like the the American dream. There, I mean, the fact that you grew up in not the greatest of circumstances, but you excelled and went to college and this and that, and of course went on and was a, a success in life. Is that opportunity available for everybody nowadays? In two thousand seventeen, Larry. Well, I don't think it was available back in that day either, um, and and
6: is and is more available now. I think I read. Uh, a little while ago that before World War II, roughly 3% of um, Americans went to college. Okay? So that percentage has been rising gradually over time. Mm-hmm. And it's becoming more and more necessary for uh, the the information-age jobs uh, to go to school. Uh, or at least if not a four-year college uh a, some kind of post high school training or junior college. Uh so there are more and more, but obviously it's not available to any to everyone, but I think that um for kids who are determined to go to schools, uh there there are ways to make it. And I think um we're looking at the 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 next generation uh there will be more and more funds to, to send more and more uh kids to 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 get the message out there to kids who never who come from families that have never dreamed about uh
2: education uh for their kids to go to school how how you mentioned the GI bill how big was the GI bill in in in, in up in those college numbers
6: well it was tremendous i mean <laughs> When I walked onto the the field at Oklahoma, I'd say half of the guys were, I was a teenager, 17 years old, and most of my teammates were men, uh, men who had uh, been in the service. Uh, This, we're talking about 1948. Um, So it was a very big deal. Uh, A lot of the young men I met at Oklahoma had never been out of their county. Uh, they could never imagine going to school. And they wanted, they wanted to be teachers or to somehow get into the oil business. Um, primarily those, those were their dreams, and a, a, a lot of uh, my ex-teammates uh, in one way or another achieved that.
2: You know, I'll be going to Cuba in October. The WBO is going to have their annual convention on a, uh, a cruise boat, leaving October 23rd out of Miami, going to uh, Cuba. That, and is, in the Bahamas. that is very cool. That is very cool. I mean, Paco Valcarcel, he, he pulled off a good one here, no doubt about that. In fact, if you like to join me on the cruise, I'll throw this out right now. Don't bug me in my private room, please, please, please. But... If you go to wboboxing.com, I think you can still book some tickets to bonus cruise. (laughs) And a lot of the champions show up, Vladimir Klitschko, people like that. They might be there. So who knows? A couple days on a boat ship with some great champions. And, of course, Pedro Fernandez as well. That is wboboxing.com. We leave uh, Miami October 23rd. We come back that following Friday. And, 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 you've got to book it by, I think, August 10th. So go to wboboxing.com if you're interested in going to Cuba October 23rd with us. Godfather. My first trip outside of the country was to Spain. I'll never forget it. What was your first trip outside of the country? Well, my first trip outside of the country
6: was uh, on a troop ship that took me to Germany, Ooh. Um, where I uh, where I spent a year. Um, um and I uh, I've actually was in Cuba twice, uh, Pedro. Uh, once uh, before the Castro revolution. Uh, When I went to Florida for an event uh, at a hotel uh, where Rocky Marciano was being the host, and I interviewed him and wrote some stuff, and I took it on my own to run over to Cuba to to just uh, breathe the air where Ernest Hemingway, one of my er heroes, uh, still lived. And then many years later, when I was working at NBC, I, um, and and there was an embargo between the countries that lasted for a half a century, um, I was allowed in, in they, were, they were trying some kind of sports diplomacy, I guess you could call it, and I was allowed in, and, uh, and uh, I did a piece for NBC on the sports revolution, I interviewed... Uh, Teofilo Stevenson, the famous Cuban uh, Olympic heavyweight uh, gold medalist, two-time gold medalist. Uh, I went to baseball games uh, there, to factories that were manufacturing bats and so on and so forth. Um, So um, I've had my my time there, and uh, maybe I'll go again, uh, but uh, I envy you and your trip. (laughs) I I like to go on cruises.
2: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm saving up a big fat wad of cash to go. I want to make sure that I... it, make, make, it well, the, Everything's paid for already, but I'm just talking about, you know, you want to, I want to I want to have a great trip. I want to make this one of the most memorable trips of my life, no doubt about that. Now, as far as traveling the world's concerned, that's been fine. I mean, you and I have both traveled the world. My interactions with Muhammad Ali, when I got to spend the two weeks with him on that, that tour through China and Macau and Asia and things like that, that was... That was something that I'll I'll never ever forget. He just he just how can I put this? He wore he, he he influenced me in a lot of ways. I mean, I remember one time I was sad. We left an orphanage and I just had a baby a couple of years earlier, and I left the kid for the first time in my life to go to China with him. And we went to an orphanage and we saw these kids with one arm and one eye and things like that. And and Ali made me dig into my pocket and I think we threw out like twelve hundred bucks and we fed these. He he paid me back later, but we fed these kids for a year. Uh, according to the nun, but when we left, you know, I was crying just a little bit—not crying, but tearful—in the bus because I had seen these kids and I had just had a baby in this, and I was freaking out, the emotional wit that I am. So Ali comes back to me and he sits down on the bus. He sits down to me next on the bus. He says, "What's the matter with you?" And I said, "Man, that was tough, man. I, was like, I can't, I can't handle that, man." And he goes, "Son, look at me. We helped those people out because we fed those kids for a long time." He goes. You can't save every puppy in the pound, and that's what I remember throughout my entire life, Godfather. Because I encounter homeless people every day, and I try to give everybody a little bit. I try to give my 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 best to to the downtrodden in, in this in, in the world. And unfortunately, here in San Francisco, when you when you when you come across one homeless guy and you give him a buck, you go down the street and you see a guy that's even in worse shape or a girl even in worse shape. So. You almost have to walk with blinders here in the Bay, Area, and it's a bit sad for me. Well, I, I get that. Um, all you can do is the best you can, and,
6: okay. and 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 hope that uh, these people who need help, many of whom have uh, mental problems, um, can find you know some some kind of help uh, to 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 give them some uh,
2: rest. Uh, from their lives of despair. And Godfather, you think an 880 billion dollar cut in Medicaid is going to do that?
6: Um, no, of course not. And um, I just wonder whether the country is willing to to accept that. Whether you know, there's always a, a balance between uh, social needs and the needs of of the country to uh, to have its independence Independent entrepreneurs and and corporations and and so on to uh, uh, innovate and, and manufacture. So, what is the correct balance? You know, uh, I, I don't know, but right now uh, there's a uh, serious uh, battle going on to uh, to find. Uh, what the balance is you live in San Francisco you've seen what uh, entrepreneurs have been able to do in revitalizing the economy up there mm-hmm. and creating jobs all, all over the world uh, but
2: but larry larry larry, larry healthcare is a, an emotional issue with me because my I, my grandmother got medicaid back medicare back in 1965 when Lyndon Johnson the 36th president of mm-hmm. this country Signed that law, okay. Now she died of cancer about three years, three years later. But had she had that medical coverage, eighteen months sooner, later, Larry, she wouldn't have died from cancer. You see, mate? so that's why I get emotional about this health There's issue. Not, you're, you're, look, I
6: I applaud you. I, I I I I recognize your emotions, and I feel, you know, similarly about, you know, that that having. Uh, medical care should be um, a right, and 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 not just a handout. Um, that poor people should have as much uh, opportunity uh, to get medical help as uh, rich people. It'll never even out that way, but we ought to try to give them. Uh, as much help as we can. I'm on that side of the issue with you. Um, and I'm just hoping that um, the tide of of conservatism uh, in, in today's uh, political winds, uh, although tide and winds are a little bit different, um, um, come out without too much damage uh, for what has been created and made us uh, – not poorer, but a richer country.
2: The great Larry Merchant on Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Say hello to the Godmother for me, sir. I thank you so much for your time. I feel blessed in each and every time we have a conversation. Thank you, Larry. Uh, thank you. And, and uh,
6: meanwhile, don't forget that uh, Mikey Garcia is going to
2: fight Broner in July. <laughs> All the best. We'll talk about that soon. The great You're Larry welcome. Merchant on Ring Talk Live Worldwide. One 878 Play that's one eight hundred eight seven eight. 7529. You are tuned to Ring Talk live worldwide, often imitated but never duplicated. You just saw why. This is Ring Talk live from the city by the bay, San Francisco, California. that is the theme from Mannix folks so like you Kijina, know, of course Mannix a TV series from the uh, from the 60s and the 70s of course Patricia Stitch I'm talking about larry merchant's wife she was in one of those episodes man in season four so she's been all around the rockford file she played in all these different shows man all in the family mannix medical center love american style Battlestar galactica holy cow i didn't know the godmother was that much of an actress but she was an accomplished actress no doubt about that you are tuned to the godmother being of course the wife of larry merchant of course godfather is the uh, term that I applied him because I think he is the godfather of boxing, the man that's been around the longest, the wisest. I mean, the greatest boxing TV announcer of all time. And yes, I knew Cosell, not to a great extent, but I knew Cosell. And I think that Cosell was good for his time. I think that Cosell, had it not been for Muhammad Ali, would have never reached the heights that he reached as a broadcaster. Muhammad Ali helped make him. It was hand in hand. Without the two of those guys... I don't think Cosell would have been what he would have been. And, of course, I don't think Ali would have been as big as he was without Cosell. Or because Cosell, you know, Howard Cosell took care of Muhammad Ali during that, that you know, that three and a half year hiatus when the government said he couldn't fight and this and that. I mean, Cosell still was in his corner. Cosell stayed in his corner, of course, until he came back. And then he came back and he fought that great Jerry Quarry. Of course, that was in Atlanta back in. Man, can you believe it's been that long? 1970. Wow. Think about that. 1970, Ali in didn't fight in 68, 69. Came back in 1970, won the championship back, of course, with George Foreman in 1974, and then lost to the Leon Spinks. Sort of gave it away to Leon Spinks. And got it back from Leon Spinks in 1978, of course. Retired. Came back in 1980. Had the fight with Larry Holmes. Man, was that a drubbing, huh? Made me cry. I remember <clears throat> crying both in the arena, the outdoor arena that night, and crying back in my hotel room that night. It was just an emotional evening for me. Even though I realized, you know, that Larry Holmes was the superior athlete at that point in time. And chances are he was going to beat Muhammad Ali because I had watched films of, of, of Ali and, and Holmes sparring, okay? And I saw that this wasn't good. This wasn't looking good. Ali wasn't looking good sparring with Larry Holmes back in 1974. So this was 1980. Man, I know it was doomsday, October 2nd, 1980. Of course, Muhammad Ali losing to Larry Holmes. You were tuned to Ring Talk live worldwide. Of course, this is Ring Talk. 11 a.m. Pacific time, 2 p.m. Eastern time, Saturdays and Sundays. This is Ring Talk.